staring at the horizon through the tiny window of the plane. You liked it? Sure did. Earl smiled. Didn't you have any reservations? I tell you, Patty, the only reservations I had about Vietnam were the target restrictions. Flying over some of those ports and seeing tankers deliver oil you knew was for the Viet Cong, and not being able to strike them. That was one of the most frustrating experiences of my life. Earl, who seemed to be in an almost perpetual state of amazement at the things he said, shook his head again. Patrick turned towards the aisle, suddenly assailed by the sound of his father's music, as clear and loud as breaking glass. But this oral hallucination was soon swamped by the vitality of his neighbor. Have you ever been to the Tahiti Club in Saint Tropez, Patty? That's a hell of a place. I met a couple of dancers there. His voice dropped half an octave to match the new tone of male camaraderie. I gotta tell you, he said confidentially, I love to screw. God, I love it, he shouted. But a great body is not enough, you know what I mean? You gotta have that mental thing. I was screwing these two dancers. They were fantastic women, great bodies, just beautiful. But I couldn't come. You know why? You didn't have that mental thing, suggested Patrick. That's right. I didn't have that mental thing, said Earl. Perhaps it was that mental thing that was missing with Debbie. He had called her last night to tell her about his father's death. Oh, God, uh, that's appalling, she stammered. I'll come over straight away. Patrick could hear the nervous tension in Debbie's voice, the inherited anxiety about the correct thing to say. With parents like hers, it was not surprising that embarrassment had become the strongest emotion in her life. Debbie's father, an Australian painter called Peter Hickman, was a notorious bore. Patrick once heard him introduce an anecdote with the words, "'That reminds me of my best Bouillabaisse story.' Half an hour later, Patrick could only count himself lucky that he was not listening to Peter's second best Bouillabaisse story. Debbie's mother, whose neurotic resources made her resemble a battery-operated stick insect, had social ambitions which were not in her power to fulfil, while Peter stood at her side telling his Bouillabaisse stories. A well-known professional party planner, she was foolish enough to take her own advice. The brittle perfection of her entertainments turned to dust when human beings were introduced into the airless arena of her drawing-room. Like a mountaineer expiring at base camp, she passed on her boots to Debbie, and with them the awesome responsibility to climb. Mrs. Hickman was inclined to forgive Patrick the apparent purposelessness of his life, and the sinister pallor of his complexion, when she considered that he had an income of one hundred thousand pounds a year, and came from a family which, although it had done nothing since, had seen the Norman invasion from the winning side. It was not perfect, but it would do. After all, Patrick was only twenty-two. Meanwhile, Peter continued to weave life into anecdote, and to describe grand incidents in his daughter's life to the fast-emptying bar of the Travellers' Club, where, after forty years of stiff opposition, he had been elected in a moment of weakness which all the members who had since been irradiated by his conversation bitterly regretted. After Patrick had discouraged Debbie from coming round to see him, he set out for a walk through Hyde Park, 
tears stinging his eyes. It was a hot, dry evening, full of pollen and dust. Sweat trickled down his ribs and broke out on his forehead. Over the serpentine, a wisp of cloud dissolved in front of the sun, which sank, swollen and red, through a bruise of pollution. On the scintillating water, yellow and blue boats bobbed up and down. Patrick stood still and watched a police car drive very fast along the path behind the boathouses. He vowed he would take no more heroin. This was the most important moment in his life, and he must get it right. He had to get it right. Patrick lit a Turkish cigarette and asked the stewardess for another glass of brandy. He was beginning to feel a little jumpy without any smack. The four Valiums he had stolen from Kay had helped him face breakfast, but now he could feel the onset of withdrawal, like a litter of drowning kittens in a...